podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Fiber Pan Podcast. Roy! <laughs> or should I say, Hodgecast. Uh, because Pan has confirmed this morning, Roy Hodgson has returned to the club for a second time. Um, after Patrick Vieira was sacked, we obviously did multiple pods on Friday. Um, and one over the weekend, reacting to Palace's 4-1 defeat. Paddy McCarthy in charge. And now, we're p- this is the midweek pod, but it is a bit of a special Roy uh, Hodgecast um, to talk about him returning to the club. With me is Jack Pierce. Jack, how are you? Good to good to see you again. In front of the paywall, behind the paywall, patrons, you're going to be sick of me. So apologies. This guy gets uh, everywhere. I get he's everywhere. Like the, he's like the Conor Gallagher of podcasters. He oh, just, ding, 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 straight like, in. <laughs> so early as you've ever done, including when he played for us. Um, but also here, uh, Dom Fifield from the Athletic. I never say that, and I should do really. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, genuinely, thanks for giving up your time as well, because I know you're, uh, well, both of you actually really appreciate it. But, Dom, welcome back. How are you? I, I'm fine. Apparently, paywalls are the future. Apparently so. <laughs> no comment. No <laughs> comment at all. Um, well, they should be. I mean, if you can sit in a room as snug as Dom's sat in right now with the kind of soundproofing they've got there, I mean, yeah. No, it's fair. It's a fair point. It's lovely it's soundproofing. Great. I did buy some soundproofing. He's taken it off the walls. I did buy some for my studio off eBay once, and it was it was like play doh. It was it. I think it was it was fake. Anyway, Dom, we'll talk about where you got your soundproofing later. Let's just let's just get rid of the admin and get into the. Yeah, let's do it. And I was about to say the meat and potatoes. <laughs> just just shut up, Jim. Um, this week's let's do a drum roll for a patron. Get that out of the way. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. It's Rob Billington. Yeah, all right, Rob. Yeah, okay, right, next. Well yeah, 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 yeah. Patreon.com slash Join Rob, join the team. Loads of extra content, etc., etc. Discord Club is <laughs> very busy at the moment. Also, last week we were sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. That pod went out of date within 12 hours. So this week, again, we're sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. 
They're accruiting-based, palace-supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation and quote the code FYP. Hopefully this week's pod will stay relevant for at least 24 hours. And I hope Josh and the gang over there are happy with that. Um, planning a retirement, that's not time. I mean, dear me. Well, someone, Dom, who we thought was planning a retirement <laughs> and uh, is back is Mr. Roy Hodgson. Now, um, we will, I think, sort of alongside be reviewing the Arsenal game that weekend 4-1, although obviously the bigger news is Roy's return. We The rumours were over the weekend it was it was happening. The bookies thought it was happening. And it's been confirmed today, end of the season, 10 games in charge. Um, if you look on Twitter or social media or any of my WhatsApp groups, everyone is losing their minds and is very angry about it. How do you feel? As a fa- fan first, Jono second, how do you feel about Roy coming back? I feel that um, while Palace have been 12th forever, the team is actually treading water and after one win in 17 games uh, is is very much in danger of being relegated probably in as much danger as we've had over these 10 years in charge uh, sorry 10 years in the Premier League Um, and in that scenario whilst I would love Palace to be evolving still uh, towards a an expansive style of play to be, you know, getting the best out of young players and thinking long-term and uh, ambitious. The situation that they're in at the moment is not that. The situation at the moment demands pragmatism. So turning to the only man in your history who has managed to keep Palace in the top division for four seasons in a row in the Premier League for four seasons in a row uh, is logical. And I I understand why people are agitated because the optics on it are poor, very obviously poor. We were supposed to be moving away from from this. Um, We were supposed to be moving away from firefighting managers as well. But the Premier League this season has proved too difficult for us, for this squad. And... Culpability for that doesn't lie just with Patrick Vieira. It lies very much with those in charge of the club. And I suspect that they would acknowledge that privately. Um, But they've turned to the one man that they trust to get them out of this mess. And then all talk of evolution and long-term plans can kick back in as soon as this season is ended and we are still a Premier League side. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is hard to implement those kind of plans, Jack, isn't it, when you are when you have gone down that changes absolutely everything um we did talk a bit about it on uh, on sunday didn't we um because i think again the rumors were sort of flying around um and from memory i feel like you are in a similar position to dom in terms of sort of pragmatic approach to it sad sad that it's come to this but maybe understand it but but i guess we should probably reflect the fact that there are a lot of fans out there who are really really quite angry i tried to get grace on this morning because i saw her tweets and she was not happy i thought it'd be good to get uh someone who's a bit angrier but unfortunately she's not available but um there are a lot of fans really angry. Can you understand why fans are really up in arms about this? Yes, I can. I, I you know, the Dom uses the phrase optics. I think that that is the appropriate term. It, it does look, and it is a it is a regressive step. You, it undeniably is regressive if you've tried to move away from 
the man you're then returning to. That is naturally a regressive, a regressive step. Um, but that said, it is probably an appropriate and proportionate decision to make given the risk of relegation right now. So that's that's where my head's at. But I do understand the the annoyance that some have with this decision. But I think a positive outcome from the Leicester game in 12 days' time or whenever that is, and I think a lot of that angst and annoyance will disappear because people will start to see the logic behind the decision um, a little bit clearer than perhaps is is available to them now. Um, look, the, the Vieira sacking, I've, I've said it multiple times now on different pods and with you guys and elsewhere, but it is... There is a lingering sadness that Vieira is no longer our manager, and that's that's a, you know that's the feeling that a lot of Palace fans still have only four days after he was sacked, um, and that is probably influencing the feeling about Roy being reappointed, um, and it's disappointing. And that, you know, so there's just already so many so much conjecture about how Roy is you know going to return to his the players that he trusted last time, how Luke is going to be straight back in the team. All this chat, we don't know. We have absolutely no idea, and I suspect that. That that won't be the case. I suspect that Roy will try and keep as many of the the team in the team that have been playing, um, although probably suited to a playing style that's more akin to the Roy Hodgson football that we saw during his four years. But we just have to get behind Roy now. There, there's no other option. He's been appointed, um, and and that's the that's the situation. As Dom says, discussion about you know the the future evolution of Crystal Palace Football Club. On the pitch, off the pitch, um, can probably be put on the back burner now until Monday the 29th of May. And I think that's when we then start to talk about the future of the club again. Everything between now and, and the end of May should focus on us all being behind the team and, and getting the, the points that we need to stay a Premier League club. Yeah, and I, I do think most fans will. I mean, there's obviously some people saying they won't go back and, and some of them they'll, they'll boo the club. Maybe, maybe I don't know, Steve... Maybe the the anger doesn't seem to be really towards Roy at the moment. It seems to be towards the board, and I, I think that's probably a lot fairer. It's not Roy's fault. Roy's probably coming in thinking he's doing his boyhood club a favour, uh, which he is. Um, but people are angry. I think maybe of the situation more than actually Roy himself. There's a few things I want to address, though, Dom. Firstly, I won't name names, but I've had a, one person's tweet. I said, did, "Did Roy pass his medical?" And there have been a lot of ageism wrapped in sort of banter from a lot of not just Palace fans, lots of, you know, more so from other clubs, really. Um, which seems really unfair, doesn't it? I mean, yes, Roy is 75, but still a very capable manager. And actually, if you look at all the all the other options available to the board in terms of who who's out of work, who's not out of work, actually, he actually is probably the only realistic option. But we don't need to be taking a mick out of his age at this point. No, of course we don't. I mean... But I'd ignore all that, to be honest. I, I mean, it's just nonsense. I mean, no one is going to pretend this is the ideal situation, least of all Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson was a guest at the Manchester City game a couple of weeks back as a, as a guest of Manchester City. And I think, I mean, as he, as he told Selzy on the on the podcast the other, uh, on uh, on Sunday night, it's he was quite impressed at, at times with the way Palace played. I, I, I don't think he envisaged walking into this scenario on you know that weekend it's it's, it's just this is where we're at and let, let 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 all the other supporters out there the fans out there of other clubs just take the mickey who cares who who cares it's it's irrelevant not, if roy hodgson 
keeps Palace in, in the Premier League this season. And as Selzy stressed, it's not a gimme that he will. He's inheriting a team that whose confidence is absolutely on the floor. We can talk about, you know, whether it was fair to sack Patrick Vieira or not, but this team has won one game in 17 matches. It's April the 1st, the next time we play a game. We haven't won a game this year. Uh, it's, It's an appalling, an appalling run. And you can tell with the timidity of of all palace's recent performances certainly up front in the in the final third um that that confidence is is shattered so he has got a hell of a job on to try and keep this even against teams that suddenly everybody thinks oh we're going to beat them well have a look have a glance down leicester city's squad and tell me that they're weaker than us that they're not they've had a terrible season but they're not weaker than us um have a look at Everton under Sean Dyche. They're not the same team as the, the team that absolutely hammered Palace under Frank Lampard earlier this season. It's not going to be easy these next 10 games, regardless of the fact that their teams are the majority of the teams are below Palace. It's going to be a proper scrap. And we don't know whether the players in this squad can scrap. We don't know that because a lot of them are, are, are younger. A few of them have been through it before, but those aren't necessarily going to be the first choice players in in this team. So it's it's a it's a massive massive job he's taken on, um, and I, I couldn't care less about what other fans think about this. This is purely about Crystal Palace. It's about about Palace finding some way of staying in the division and ensuring that we can attempt to evolve because the alternative. And I've had people texting me, oh, we can need a reset. Let's go to the championship and have a reset. Palace won't do a Burnley. They won't do a Burnley. I mean, Palace go down. They lose their best players. Attendance is pretty much halve overnight. Um, we're back to sort of losing to Barnsley on Tuesday nights at Sellers Park 1-0. It's, the wage bill will still be onerous, even if they lose... Even if they lose a Elise and Zaha's off the off the bill and Luca as well, it's not relegation is is not going to help this this team evolve. It's also people saying, "Oh, we well, get, get go down," then you can give all these kids a a run out. No one knows whether these kids are good enough to play for a prolonged period in the first team, let alone in the championship, which is a equally brutal division. So. With the greatest respect, I would rather we continue our evolution as a Premier League club with Premier League income and the opportunity to A, keep our best players and B, if we can sort out the ownership situation, which is the biggest problem at this football club, continue to actually invest in the team and continue to evolve in that way. None of that will happen in the Championship, I I don't think. Um, So forget what the others are saying. Get behind Roy Hodgson. Get behind the players and let's let's just see if we can end what has been a pretty traumatic season a pretty desperate season in many ways i don't think anyone's gonna look back at anything this season other than maybe the about an hour against aston villa way back in when was that august september with any fondness and let's just get to next let's get to the summer and see where the club goes then why why is it always one nil against barnsley I feel like that's the only score we've ever played against them, ever. Kevin Miller's always always in goal as well. (laughs) It's always a Tuesday night. Yeah, it's always a Tuesday night. It's always 1-0 either way. It is always that, isn't it? It's always 1-0 against Barnsley. (laughs) It has been for years. Um, I agree with all that. Um, Do you think, Jack, if Roy hadn't been manager, 
previously, that fans would be so angry? I think they'd probably be even more angry. I think the fact he was the Palace manager means that some Palace fans who have perhaps remained slightly more level-headed can at least look back and refer back to that period of four years. If, if Roy, It would be a bizarre appointment if we appointed a 75-year-old manager who took Watford down last season if he didn't have any link to Crystal Palace. So I, I think... Um, I think the fact look, I, I think the fact is he's been uh reappointed as Crystal Manager a uh, Crystal Palace manager because of his time at Crystal Palace. So there's absolutely no reason why he would have been appointed if he didn't have the history with the club and the trust between him and Steve Parrish didn't exist already. So um yeah, if we had appointed a seventy five year old Roy Hodgson um without any link to having managed Crystal Palace in the in the recent history, then I think that would be probably looked upon even um more. Uh, bizarrely than it is at the moment but um look i think there's one thing i was sorry Dom, just one thing i would say on, on the roy hodgson appointment i think the difference is this time it's not just roy and ray coming in and, and ray lowington has been appointed as well and we mentioned the influence that the ray has the club have made a, a marked comment in that statement that paddy mccarthy is also remaining yeah. as part of the the kind of first team coaching i think as, as assistant manager and you know, we, you know, some of us on FYP went and did different media on on Friday, and you know that that was a bit of a manic day on Friday. And I was fortunate enough to go on to BBC London, and I said I think that would be more tolerable for a lot of Palace fans if Paddy McCarthy was able to be uh, part of it, and Roy was perhaps guiding Paddy McCarthy. Whether that means that Paddy McCarthy is being viewed as some sort of next first team manager of Crystal Palace, I have no idea. I suspect not. I suspect that the the net would be cast far wider than than just focusing on Paddy McCarthy. But the fact that Paddy McCarthy um, is part of it does suggest to me that there is a little bit of future proofing in this as well. There there is a little bit of a look to the future, um, and and that's different. And the other good thing is this has been resolved early in this two week window. Mm-hmm. You know, if this had been dragging on towards next weekend, um, that really would have started to to frustrate everybody, not just those that are anti-disappointment everybody would have started to be frustrated if, if there was no appointment made and and the club were quiet so you know as we said in in the post-match pod on Sunday Jim this two weeks is so important so to get the manager appointed and sorted whether it's to everybody's satisfaction or not it does at least mean this two weeks can be maximized for what it can be maximized for that, that's that's spot on I mean the, the Palace could have waited there will be other managerial departures in this international break I suspect in the Premier another League. one today potentially well, possibly. I mean, I'm not that Palace were ever going to appoint Antonio no. Conte, or <laughs> but there, there will. I suspect there may be others, and because it's it's panic, it's a panic situation now for a lot of clubs in that bottom uh, nine places. Um, so they could have they could have just waited in the off chance that you know whoever became available might fancy coming straight to palace but but i think they recognized sensibly that that wasn't wasn't an option they should pursue they needed to get this done and the, the players are back in on training uh, for training on wednesday roy hodgson and ray lewington will be there at that training session to take that first session as preparations begin for leicester city so it's that that is the, that that is the best case scenario for Palace now, and 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 at least it's it's done, and we can now just concentrate on the ten games. On, on the Paddy front, Paddy McCarthy being around, maybe maybe that is the continuity. Maybe when let's say Palace stay up this season, um, and a new manager is appointed in the summer with a 
a new vision um, and, and, a, and, a, and a more long-term plan. Hopefully, Paddy McCarthy's part of his coaching staff too, and he retains that. I mean, Paddy McCarthy's been interesting a load of clubs in the in yeah. the bottom two divisions. He's had interviews at, at some positions, and he could have he could have walked and and had had a first team managerial job. Now I'm sure he's that highly rated, but I think even on. Sunday we saw, I know we don't really linger too much on Arsenal, but we did see some of the decisions that he made didn't work. I mean, the proof of fact, that's just, they didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could say, you could argue that's down to Arsenal being the best team in the division at the moment, undoubtedly, but yeah. but also there was a naivety there potentially. So he probably would need to be guided by somebody in the same way that Dougie Friedman was when he had Lenny Lawrence as his yeah. assistant at Crystal Palace. So Absolutely. it's... Hopefully he will learn from these next 10 games around the first team picture and then we'll be in a better place for it come the summer. Yeah, I was going to ask Dom your opinion on, because Jack and I obviously spoke about the game on Sunday on the on the post-match pod. Um, and again, without lingering too much on it, we're talking about Paddy. Did, what, what did we see there really? Because I know some people are sort of saying, I've seen some people say, I'd rather have Paddy till the end of the season. But I think that would be a very risky and naive appointment and I guess and you know what did we see anything from Sunday that makes you think that would be a good appointment or that actually it's better to as you say have him continue his development under someone more experienced well I I actually I mean look I I think I've made that that point now already but what I what I did see on Sunday were a lot of people saying oh well we created more chances and um, we look more better as an attacking force and you know that's promising but we also saw us being, admittedly, after losing Joachim Anderson in the warm-up, which was, you know, the worst possible scenario for the yeah. standing manager on his audition, arguably. But we also saw that that, that it's not going to be easy to have that balance. We, we've, we haven't found the balance at any point this season between attack and defence. Yeah. Patrick Vieira, his teams were... At the end, incredibly conservative and incredibly cautious, and you know, and contained some really good teams, really good sides. I mean, when you see we lost one 0 to a penalty against Manchester City, and then they go and score seven and six in their next two matches. I mean, that's an indication that we yeah. defensively we were sound under Patrick Vieira, but we had no attacking threat. So it was almost like on Sunday we tried to, as everybody had been calling out for, we tried to give more emphasis on the attack, but that left us horribly open at the back. Roy Hodgson has got to come in and find the balance that has eluded this team throughout the entire season, and I don't know that's going to be an easy scenario for him to to, to do either. And I think I think it's I think if, if I think that will expose the deficiencies within our squad more than anything. I mean, the fact that we haven't been able to do what we did last season, when we had more energy in the team, we had different options in the team. It's striking that balance is going to be really, really tricky. And I think Sunday was just a reminder of that. Albeit Arsenal are bloody good. And, you know, we could have we could have pulled it back to 3-2. But I still would have thought that Arsenal would probably be more likely to score the sixth goal of the game than, than Palace if it had been 3-2. What I, what I took away from Sunday, Jim, was not so much about Palace, but, but just how good Arsenal were. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know they're top of the league, but, uh, you know, we haven't seen them since August when they came on the first night of the season. Um, and that was a fairly close game. Like, you know, 2-0 probably flattered Arsenal that night, but they were exceptional. And, you know, whether we were in a good run of form, Patrick Vieira was still in post, Roy take over two weeks, whatever the situation was for Palace, that Arsenal team would have, would have you know, caused us problems. And, and to be looking back at that performance... 
in any way as a guiding light for the rest of the season is probably a bit of a, a false dawn in, in that Arsenal were just that that good. And particularly the front four, Odegaard, uh, Saka, Martinelli and, and Trossard as the front nine. I mean, they were explosive. And then all of a sudden, Gabriel Jesus comes on. You're thinking, oh my God, he, he, he wasn't even on the pitch. So they, they look really good. Um, a yeah. couple of bright spots for us. I thought the fact that Wilf battled throughout was was really positive. Um Luca looked for the first 25 minutes at least Luca looked like Luca of 3 years ago which was which was actually quite nice to see. Um and he may play a role now between now and the end of the season more so than he may have done under Patrick Vieira depending on what Roy wants to in midfield. Um but I think the the kind of comment and what we allude to in terms of Paddy choosing James Tompkins over Chris Richards when uh Jurgen Anderson um is injured, Joel Ward at right back um Luca in in midfield. I think particularly the two defensive ones, um James Tompkins and Joel Ward, you've got to probably consider that Joe Whitworth's in goal. And I think Chris Richards, adding Chris Richards into the mix there, may well have just been too much inexperience at the back. Um and that is probably why James Tompkins got the call. Um but yeah, I think we just need to move forward from that game because Arsenal were very, very good and we were clearly in a bit of a bit of a weird moment as a as a club and as a team. So, you know, we there were some positives in that and I hope that that Roy and Ray and Paddy were looking on from that game and thinking, what can we take from that game? We can park a load of the crap from the last week or so, but there's some, you know, some elements of that performance which hopefully could be uh could be moved along as the as the rest of the season progresses. Speaking of moving along, I think that's enough on the Arsenal game for us. We have got nice. a lot of questions. Thank you. Uh, so we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll answer some listeners' questions. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Back to the Fabric Plan Podcast. 
Ray, maybe. Ray. <laughs> um, given he is back with his shorts as well. That wow. is a there you go. That's a positive. Ray in his shorts back on the touchline. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Barking out orders. That's gonna be great. Um we are sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance. Um, from getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation and quote the code FYP. Questions then. So uh, James Jeffrey. Hey, James. Uh, James hey, and Son A have both made the same son. point. Hello, Son. Uh, I'll go to Don. Hello, Son. That's very, that's, very, that's very Ray Lewington, isn't it? It is. Uh, hello, Son. Uh, equals everyone's son, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, they've both made the same point. Uh, Dom, which is, uh, well, James says, if the fans are so anti-Roy, I wonder how the players feel about it. And Son says, if the fan base feels broken by what's going on, how do the players feel about it? I can't believe anyone's filled with confidence about their future or Palace's future. How do you repair this? My personal opinion is that players are not fans and players are taught to take the emotion out of situations. But what do you think? It's interesting. I mean... <laughs> There may be some, there may be some issues with with players that had issues under Roy's previous stint in charge. If some of the guys that have been there longer, um, but then you could argue that at least they, given the situation and the and the and the time frame of this appointment, you know, going into April, ten matches, short concentrated burst of of games, which are. You know, Upon which the entire success or failure of the season is is going to be um, judged. That actually having someone who who you know how they work and you know what they have to do and and, and it's not going to be surprising to adapt to to what what he wants. That may be beneficial. It may go the other way. They may be they they may suddenly be deflated and think well, we've seen seen this all before. And going back to those meticulous sessions isn't what they want. But you know, you know, players. A lot of these players are, are playing for their Premier League features as well. Yeah, I mean, there are there are some players in that Palace team that if they got relegated and they were still under contract at Crystal Palace, would a probably take a a big pay cut and b probably aren't going to get another Premier League job. So if they want to stay in the Premier League next year, then they have to put a shift in for these these ten matches and and you know. Footballers sometimes think selfishly they have to. This is their livelihood, isn't it? This is this is what they have to the day to day. So if they want to be Premier League footballers and call themselves Premier League footballers next season, then they're gonna to have to knuckle down over these ten matches and, and, and show that they are. But with the with the younger guys that haven't worked with, with Roy before, there'll be a bit of intrigue, I imagine. Um I don't see it being a problem for people like Mark Gay or Joachim Anderson. Yeah. Um Tarek Mitchell's played some of his best football under <laughs> under Roy gonna, Hodgson. I was going to mention Tyreek. So is Eze. Yeah. yeah. So is Eze. Yeah, I mean, Roy hasn't obviously worked with with Eze um, post-Achilles injury, so that would be quite interesting to see whether he judges that he can get the, you know, the best out of him still. But, but I mean, Mike, I'm intrigued to see what he does with Michael Elise. Um, I'm intrigued to see how Wilfred Zaha responds because when Roy came in last time and Palace were rock bottom with no goals and no points four games into the season in 2017, uh, Roy, when he had Wilf fit, uh, really built his team around him. He was the main yeah. man. And, it, it, you know, it's... It, I imagine he'll give him an awful lot of love. And I, I'm, not even, I'm not sure Patrick always did that. 
with him or Wesley, to be honest. Um, now, that's not to say that they didn't enjoy working under Patrick Vieira, but um, they they will know Roy's techniques, and and I'd like to think I'd like to think that if these are going to be Wilfred Zaha's last eight weeks as a Crystal Palace player, that he would want to go out on a big high. And and not not going back from whence they came, not not going back into the championship. Um, so hopefully he too is as enthused as he can be going into critical matches under a manager he knows well. There, I mean, there were there were rumours on Twitter and stuff that that Patrick preferred a tough love approach. I think to some of those players, but I think we know from previously that Roy would and Ray will be more arms round shoulders for the likes of Wilf and you'd imagine Eze and I assume then Elise as well. So it probably will be a slightly different environment. But to be honest, maybe it, it needs something different at the moment. So maybe any manager coming in would look to employ a slightly different approach, man management approach because whatever Patrick had been doing, as much as we wanted him to, to succeed at Palace, hadn't been working, certainly since since the World Cup. Mm. Um, can I turn though, Jack, to from the manager to the board? Because a lot of people are asking questions about this, and I think it's probably a fair time to do it. I'll get my lawyers ready. Yeah. Um, Brad Kampanyak. Hey, Brad. Hi, Brad. Brad. Great name. It says, do we think the crowd will turn on the board if we lose to Leicester? It could be very toxic and negative to our fall down. And Jerome Gavin. Hey, Jerome. Hi, Jerome. Is it possible to back the players and give them the support they need to survive while still showing the board how disgusted we are and protest Paris's shocking handling of the situation, Jerome's words, not mine, without turning the atmosphere hostile? If so, how? It does feel like things are slightly on a knife edge. And as we saw the, in, on Sunday, when Steve came on the TV yeah. uh, in the concourse, he was booed. And it's the first time I think you and I have ever, have ever yeah. seen that in the never, last never whatever, 13 years. Never seen that. Never seen um, I just thought that was my brother booing 660 a pint, but um, no, it was... Uh, how much? 660 for a flat pint of Camden Hills. But, North yeah. London. It was North London. North, North London. <laughs> um, what do you think to those questions then? Because, it, I mean, the Leicester game will be really, really interesting and the atmosphere could... You hope it won't. You hope people will back the team. I think they will, but it is on an knife edge. I'll, um, I'll deploy a classic question time approach to this answer. If I answer Jerome first, is the second question. Yes, it is possible to combine the both. I think there'll be time and opportunity to demonstrate whatever the appropriate word is, demonstrate, vocalise our frustration with the board. My My hope is that that doesn't come within the 90 minutes of the team playing on the pitch. I think if if we see an increase in toxicity directed at the players on the pitch, as as did start to happen towards the end of last Wednesday at the Amex, I can only see one end to the season. That is, as Dom referred to in the first part, playing Championship football next season. I think if 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 we lose faith in the eleven, certainly by the time the Leicester game, you know, the manager's first game, um, then it's going to be very tricky to recover from that. But there, but there is cause for frustration, no doubt about it. Um, and the volume of or the proportion of Palace fans that are feeling that frustration means that it's very likely to manifest itself in some form over the next few weeks, whether it's the Leicester game or not, I don't know. But I, it is possible to do both. That's what I would say. Um, I, I just hope we don't see the merging of the two, because I think if we see the merging of the two, it's only going to end negatively for for Palace, the fans, the players, the club, whatever. It's, it's just not going to end in a good situation for that. And, and can you remind me the first one? Do we, think, do we think the crowd will turn if we lose to Leicester? 
Um, there will certainly be some. Some. I mean, yeah. That yes, I'm sure there will be. If depending on the mate on the nature of that of that defeat, um, any any defeat will see. So it's become fairly hostile when the players are walking back towards the tunnel for sure. But if, if I mean, we, if we're two 0 down within the first half hour, three 0 down at half time, something like that, then yes, the place will become fractious and horrible, and and everything you don't want your home ground to become. Um, probably scenes that we've not seen since Sunderland at home in twenty seventeen, February twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, so that's probably where we would be heading if. If we have defeat, but as, as Dom says, that's but I mean, this is the the kind of false truth that we've created for ourselves as a fan base right now that we've now left the difficult teams behind and now we're entering this this meadow of easy fixture after easy fixture because of where the teams are in the league table. Those teams are in that place in the league table, so they now have to fight. Otherwise, you know, they're going to be the ones that are staring down the barrel come come May. So it's going to be very very tense uh, on the first. Um, and I do think Roy's team selection at two when that comes out at two o'clock is going to be very interesting to see the reaction of the fan base. I might just delete Twitter from my phone on the morning of the first, to be honest. Um, but yeah, in answer to both those questions, is I guess yes. <laughs> um, I, the thing is, Dom, I I don't want to come on here and um, dismiss a lot of the fans' frustrations. I think fans have absolutely every right to be annoyed at the board. There's been various issues that we've talked about over the last four or five months, potentially, in terms of maybe, maybe that's led us here. And fans have every right to be annoyed uh, and I guess have every right to display that however they want to, be that on Twitter, be that at games or whatever. But And I've seen the phrase parish yes men banded a lot around Twitter at the moment. And it does feel, and I said this on the post-match pod, everything at the moment feels very binary, that if you're not against, you're for, and if you're not for, you're against. And we all know Life situations and certainly football is very different to that. But what's needed right now is none of that. What is needed for the next 10 games is everyone pulling together in, in, the, in the right direction. And if we stay up, then the inquest can start in June and the frustration towards the board or Steve or Dougie or, or the owner situation, as you mentioned, that can all come out of the wash in June. And that's absolutely fine. But what is needed now for the next 10 weeks is... You know, much like 2017, much like Cuban Pulis came in, we need everyone behind the team and, and fighting because we all want the same thing. We all want Palace to stay. There's not a single person on this pod or listening that wants Palace to go down, despite what people might say on Twitter. We all want Palace to be successful, and that includes Steve, that includes Roy, that includes Ray, that includes all the players. What we need right now is everyone pulling in the right direction. And we can come the summer, and then the, the inquest can start. Yeah, and... We- We've got experience as a as a team and a club and a fan base of 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 how you can achieve that, even at a divided club, because you only have to go back to last May, um, when Jack's dad was probably upstanding and jumping around like a lunatic when Everton come back from 2-0 down against us with pitch invasions with an the ferocity of that crowd. I was I was in the press box that day, and I've, I used to work on Merseyside and cover Everton, and and it's always been a good atmosphere when they're up for it in that stadium. But that night was something else, uh, and look, it, it went across, it went beyond where it should have gone, and the pitch invasions were disgraceful. But it was so hostile for the opposing fans and the opposing team that night, and such a, a 
a, a maelstrom with everybody getting back everybody getting behind Everton and that is a club who hate their board absolutely loathe it um but they got behind the team and pretty much pretty much just hoisted them out of the prim- of the Premier League relegation zone in the process Palace are 12th so it's slightly different for a for us, but the, I think people need to see beyond the table and and realise that every team below us is winning the occasional game, and we're not. We haven't this year, and it's April by the time that we play next. So, come Leicester City, you know, come Southampton away, come West Ham at home, Forest at home, all these games that that are. Premier League status is going to be on the line for. We have to generate that kind of atmosphere. We have to make it unbelievably unpleasant and uncomfortable for teams to come and play at Sellers Park and and just back the players. And uh, yeah, because the alternative is it will just be a riot against the board, and the club will, will just sink. The players won't want to be there. Everybody will be scared of of making that that pass that opens the floodgates and and everything goes wrong. And we know where that will end us. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Everton fans were able to separate the yeah. support of the team with the, and, and you're right. I mean, no team in the Premier League, I think, has been more well, against and, their board. So, and, and Sean Dyche actually repeated that such rhetoric on on Saturday after their point at Stamford Bridge of thanking the fans for leaving their hostility towards the board at the at the gate, basically. And and when they're in supporting the team, they're supporting the team. And since Dyche has come in, that kind of split of separation of church and state as it were has yeah. has ultimately given the the team the support that they need for the 90 minutes they're playing football and that's what we must look to do as well and i think the fan base will i look i know people have said i'm not coming or they you know i'm you know gonna boo parish out whatever whatever they want to say right now let them do it because it's a very um tumultuous experience being a football fan and sometimes you have your highs and your lows and i think Thankfully, we will have no game this weekend. So let everyone get it out of their system. Yeah. And I hope those of you that have said you're not coming, you're thinking about not going, I hope you have a change of heart in the next week or so um, because that team needs you. So, you know, have a think, take some time, but hopefully see you on the 1st of April. Uh, beautifully said. And I think actually the, the two-week break actually is is, is actually almost it's ideal good for timing. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I've never welcomed an international break more in my life. <laughs> That's true. The last thing on Parish here before I move on to, to another question from Dave Manley. And he okay. said, um, okay. said, here's a game. This is a little bit like, it's a little bit, um, like I'd like to play a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can there's, make a, a... Uh, there's a 2010s reference for <laughs> younger listeners. 2010s when it all began. Absolutely. Um, you can make a phone call to Steve Parrish back in time on January the 1st. You have 10 seconds. What do you say? Which year? What are we talking? <laughs> I'm going to assume 2023. Because <laughs> if it was um, five years ago, I'd say invest in Zoom. Forget about the football. <laughs> um, I, I could, yeah. Yeah. Good. That, yeah. That might be one. Um, I'd say get over Connor. That's probably what I would have said. Mm. Don't, don't spend your January thinking about Connor too much. He don't love you. Yeah. Um, I do think we did. I mean, don't don't want to know more than I do. But from the outside, and FYP is on the outside, guys. We promise. Um, from <laughs> important, from the, really important. It's important to, to tell you, we are on the outside. Um, from the outside, it just looked like we, even when we moved on, we were still, you know, turning our head back to to check if Connor's looking at us as we leave the room. It just felt a little bit. Oh, that meme. Yeah, it's that me a little bit. And um yeah, I, I just feel if if we 
got over Konosuna, and I do like the signing of Lakonga, and there's a there's a promising player there, but if we'd moved on slightly earlier in that window, we might have got a little bit more business done. Because it, it's not just the area of the pitch that Connor played in. You know, I, I presume that if Connor was going to move permanently in, in January, it's probably going to be around 35 to 50 million, somewhere in that range. So, you know, you're you're putting all your eggs in one basket, ultimately. And, uh, yeah, on the 1st of January, I would have said, delete his number, block him. It's not going to it's not gonna work for you, Steve. Lock him. Um, Dom, you've got 10 seconds for Steve. Look, I'd, I, I, you know, I, I think that, that that the club has been guilty of some complacency, and it's believed that its squad is better than it actually is. I think there's an imbalance there. Um, I, don't, I don't think you can listen to your your first team manager or head coach. I can't remember what title Patrick had, uh, bleating on so often about the need mm-hmm. for experience and. Mm-hmm. And be satisfied that that's what you've, with what you've got. Um, I know Palace work in their own way in the transfer market, and none of us are privy to the amount of money, or indeed the structure of how it all works at, at Palace. But, or indeed, what was available out there on January the first, yeah, to buy. But I, 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 th- I think the last two windows have been underwhelming. And there was an opportunity there to, possibly there was an opportunity there in January just to, just to give Patrick Vieira more help, um, and they didn't really. I mean, all the deals, the two deals they did were very, very late on in the window, and one was a very much a, a signing for the future, and the other one was a, a loanee. So I, look, I, he, but I don't think Steve Parrish needs me to tell him that. So I mean. I, I, we, we none of us know the peculiarities of of the, of the transfer window, and and you know whether the the names on Palace's list uh, could have been prized away from their current clubs um, earlier in the window or at all in the window in January. So, but, but I, I certainly wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't have given an interview saying that the squad's great and everything's everything's great because it it, it wasn't, it isn't, and. Well, the very fact that we are where we are at the moment shows that. Yeah. We will move on to winners and losers um, in a bit. Before we do that, I just want to, again, just for sort of parity, make a nod to people that have emailed in with questions that aren't happy. Tony G says, my question is, what the actual F? Grumpy Dad says, what was the effing point? Spencer Smith says, have we turned a corner? Gone round back any corners we may have previously turned? That's too complicated for me. On a Tuesday morning, Spencer. Um, lots of people are angry, and I just wanted to make you know that clear as well because uh, it, fans do have their right to their opinion. Final question comes from Stav, who says, hey, Stav. "Will hi Stav, will Ray be wearing shorts at his first game? <laughs> we hope so. We absolutely hope so. If, if not, he, it, well, if he doesn't and we win, then it's no shorts for the rest of the season, Ray. So it's a big decision. It's a big decision. <laughs> and it's big April. Decision. The fact yeah. that that man would wear shorts in the middle of December, I think by April he'll be he'll be shorted. Jim, can I just make a very quick point about the frustration that fans are having? And I think it's all it's all very fair. Uh, some people have gone over the top, but it's all very fair because it's very frustrating to see your team doing like this. I think the fact that, and you know, it's just fate when these things happen. The fact that we are talking about Roy Hodgson being reappointed a year, almost a year to the day since the FA Cup quarterfinal win against Everton, 
um, and three Palace players being included in an England squad, I think just highlights the the gap in where we were to where we are. And that perhaps now does feel like a false dawn. I think I've used that phrase two or three times in this podcast. So apologies for repetition. But that that afternoon against Everton was so magnificent and the excitement that that came after it. And not only that, we were in a, de- a relatively decent run of form. You know, we, we I think a couple of weeks before had that performance at Molyneux, which was absolutely exceptional. Um, the Arsenal 3-0 was only a couple of weeks later. So we really were riding a wave at that point. Um, so if you compare what WhatsApp groups look like this morning compared to what they look like probably at the same date a year ago when everyone's planning their day at Wembley, yeah. where are we going, where are we meeting, what you're wearing, all of that to all of the chat about the despair that's going through the fan base right now, it, it really does feel like a different planet. It's it's very bizarre. A year is a long time in football. Hugely. Might be the title of this week's pod. Um, right, quick break. When we come back, winners and losers. Fan podcast. We um, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. Um, from getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at Eternity Home Finance and quote the code FYP for a free consultation. Now, winners and losers normally a patron only section, so most weeks you can hear it at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. Gonna make it public this week because it's a bit of a bit of a special pod. What I will do though for the public people right now is I'm just gonna do a really small clip from Adam's post-match sort of rant measured rant from sunday um because we've had a lot of people message saying how much they enjoyed it and uh, i think it deserves a slightly wider audience than the patron so here is adam talking about um his views on everything that's happened this is before roy was appointed um and i would say as well do listen to that episode if you're are a patron or you're not for some really lovely words from adam on joe whitworth and his two games, including also a little bit of an exclusive as well on uh, on Joe, but some really lovely insight there uh, from Adam. So well worth the subscription at patreon.com slash FIP podcast. Uh, right, so public people will get that clip now. If my business is in trouble, Crystal Palace in the Premier League, what is so wrong with turning to a bloke with vast experience who can keep us, potentially has the ability to keep us in the Premier League for, he's got 10 matches in charge. It's not a backward step. It's an it's an emergency situation. We've tried to make the forward steps that everybody wants. It hasn't worked. Their job is to keep Crystal Palace in the Premier League. Roy Hodgson, I, I spoke to Roy Hodgson for the first time ever in my life last Saturday at the Manchester City game because he was sat in front of me. Yeah. And uh, I said to him, you know, I, you know, I thank you sincerely for what you did when you were here. And um, I've got to say to you. You know, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, whether you think it's not going to be entertaining, I'm giving Roy Hodgson full permission to bore the tits off me for 10 matches. I couldn't care if it's absolutely horrible to watch. I don't care how it's achieved. I just want to be in the Premier League at the end of the season. And the criticism of the club is, oh, how can we lose a manager like like, um, Patrick Vera and not have... 
a replacement lined up. And that's the job of Dougie, the sporting director. And that is a very fair question yeah. and a very fair criticism. But there's 10 games of the season left. People aren't leaving jobs, by the way. It's a hard time. To They're do not any, leaving anything. jobs at this yeah. point. And if I say to you, Jim Daly, the manager of Stade Reims in France, Will Steele, for example, at the moment, yeah. um, who's on an unbeaten run of about 19 games or whatever, do you want to sack that off right now and come to Crystal Palace or with the risk that they might go down? Or do you want to come next summer when we've had time to look at everybody and we know which league we're going to be in. That, and so there probably isn't an answer unless you want to go and employ Rafa Benitez. So suppose when we get relegated, what happens? You know, what, what's actually given us a chance is that if the worst situation comes to pass, we can kind of start again a little bit. But I believe we have a chance of staying in the league. But I can't say to you right now, so anyone that, that somebody tweeted me earlier in response to yesterday, I was just reading it in the press room while I was waiting for Paddy to come in. And he said to me, I'll look forward to you on the five year plan podcast explaining when we're relegated how it's not Roy's fault. And I said to him, Well, that seems fair and reasonable. As the previous incumbent has won one game out of 17, if the next bloke only wins one game out of 17, That'll be his fault, will it? It's nice to know that someone's going to be listening to the podcast. Well, but it's just, this is my point about balance and fairness. I've been talking that much, Sadie. The chewing gum in my mouth is actually disintegrating while I'm talking to you. Um, I'm also, can I say, I'm also shocked that you spoke to Roy for the first time last weekend. I don't know. To most people, you're on the phone to him over here. Well, week. I don't know Roy at all. I just happened to, st- he happened to step in front of me in the thing and I let him out of the... Uh, Row and he said hello to me he and I nice, gave him a talk. What a, a nice, nice man! Right, do you know nice. what I mean? What a very can I, can I, and I've got to tell you, when I said to him like you did a great job, he didn't say yeah I did. He said you're doing very well today so far in this game. Is what he said to me, full of uh, respect for well, Patrick is, Vieira. You know we're talking about um, and he's a proper gent again. So the fact that the bit I can't swallow, JD, and chewing this is, yeah chewing gum. Well, I'm actually swallowing it now. The the bit I can't swallow is. We've had a we've had a chairman, as you just said, that runs a football club. He makes mistakes now and again, makes bad calls. Tell you what, all of you that listen that go in a workplace, have you ever had people come in your workplace that are newly appointed that didn't really work out and left quite quickly or weren't really as good as the previous bloke and all that sort of stuff? That's what he has to do. That's what he has to deal with. He has to make calls. There isn't a single one of us that gets every call right. But what I will tell you is that he's presided over Crystal Palace for 10 seasons in the Premier League. A fact, not my opinion, a fact is that no other chairman in the history of Crystal Palace since 1861... There we go. (laughs) I got corrected on the 1861 maths yesterday. Whether you... Like Steve Parrish or don't like him, I've got to say to you, there's very little to dislike about Steve yeah, Parrish, right? Parrish. He's only got the best interest of Crystal Palace at heart. Occasionally things don't work out. But guess what? In my business, lots of things don't work out. And in your job, lots of things don't work out. Not every gig goes like a dream. Yeah. Not everyone turns up as many as you'd like in some places. 
all of this stuff is there, right? Not every person, guess what, that comes to your gigs and listens to your comedy goes home and says, Jim's the funniest man in the world. But one other bloke that goes there... Yeah, but another bloke that'll go there may have a completely different view. And that is our job, and that is our life. But I think it's absolute madness that people think in this situation that it's an absolutely terrible step for the chairman and owners of Crystal Palace to turn to a bloke with a proven track record of keeping the club in the league for four seasons. Uh, But we will move on, Jack, to winners and losers. This, wow, this is a big one. Normally it's a player, might be the manager. Mm. I think there's a lot of candidates for maybe both this time. Let's go for winner. Who's the winner this week at Palace? So, can we flip it? Can we do losers first and then maybe end on the we positive? We can do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah good idea. Yeah, good idea. Kind of ride the negativity from the questions yeah. into kind of the new like towards the end. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. I think the owners of the club, I think, probably have to be collectively be considered my loser of, of the week. Um, look, I've said on previous podcasts, I don't know global finance. I don't know how all of that works. I don't know how money works. And when you start talking about... You know, I know I could just about get my head around my ISA, terrified of what my mortgage looks like. But when it comes to talking about billions of pounds in dollars and what it looks like on different exchange rates and all that stuff, I get a little bit lost. But from an optics point of view, to kind of use Dom's phrase from earlier on, when Palace are going through what they're going through at the moment on the pitch and there's plenty of speculation about what's going on off the pitch, when you start to see all the reports about John Texter, you know, Botafogo players not being paid, all the all the fear-mongering that, that brings up. You then see Josh Harris being the face of a $6 billion bid for the Washington Commanders NFL team. And you compare all of that to what's going on at Palace, it really does feel quite scary that these people are in control of the football club. Um, and yes, Parrish is the face, and he is the face because he's the most well-known, he's the most associated with the club for the longest period of time. Um, and, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he's by no means the biggest shareholder in the club anymore. That The biggest holding is the Harrison Blitzer share, I believe. Or is it the... Te- I, I mean, this is what I mean. Texter. I, I'm kind of, it's Texter. Yeah. So Texter's the biggest sole holding in, in terms of the ownership of the club. But Parrish is the one that takes the heat. And I do think there's some just cause for, for Steve Parrish taking some increased heat after the last few months, as you know Dom referred to in the last part. The interview he did in January wasn't particularly... Um, accurate. His summation of the situation wasn't particularly fair on the manager. Um, but there's four of them. There's four. There's four people heavily involved in the in the the running of the football club. Um, and I think right now it's probably fair to say the trust in the ownership of the club is at its lowest ebb since before CPFC 2010 took took control. Um, so yeah, they're, they're my loser. That said, with a, a distinct acknowledgement that I don't know how global finance works. So I, won't, I don't want to talk about the money, but just in terms of what it looks like from a fan's perspective, it's not good. Something yeah. has to change. Yeah. It? it has yeah. to change. because it, it, It's not sustainable it, in its current no. form, is it? No. no. Palace, as they are at the moment, in the boardroom, won't work. They're dysfunctional. Yeah. It, it's, it's not working. So get through the next 10 games. Stay in the Premier League, so you're still attractive mm-hmm. because you're still bringing in. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going to an eleventh year in the row in the Premier League. If you do that. Um, there are not that many Premier League clubs that can can say that of the current yeah. group. Um, and then 
the summer, change it. Find a way, whether that's one of them buying the others out, whether that's putting the club up for sale and someone else coming in, find a way to change it. Because at the moment, if nothing changes in the boardroom, even if Palace make a, a really far-reaching, ambitious appointment in the summer, if, if nothing changes in the boardroom, Palace will be in this situation again. Yeah, the new the man next, will be Patrick Vieira again. In the, the next yeah. manager will have the same issues that be absolutely that we here face. Um, is that are you agreeing with Jack then, Dom, for your uh, your losers this week? Yeah, I mean, I don't like losers. As a, as so, a rule, do you know what we 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 sometimes call it? Must do better. So maybe maybe must do. Better. I mean, it's just it's just that, isn't it? I mean, the scrutiny, the scrutiny rightly. Well, it, the scrutiny was on Patrick Vieira for a long time during that winless run, and mm-hmm. uh, and and now it's shifted. Now it's shifted onto the to the ownership. It's shifted onto the hierarchy of the club. Um, there, there will be people also looking at Dougie Friedman as well. But I mean, I, I I said that I think in one of the initial pods last week that you know it's it's about succession plan now. And But I think again the, the, the pragmatism that the club to be pragmatic and to stay up. I can see the logic in this, but there is there is still the succession plan option focus for the summer. There has to be something to take Palace forward on the pitch. However, if there are restrictions placed on the technical director or the sporting director or whatever the title is, because the the finances aren't there, or is a reluctance to spend, or there's an inability to spend, whatever the reason is. Then he might be he might well be operating under restrict restrictions that make his job impossible. Yeah, but again, that comes into the same thing. Something has to change because the succession planning point is a really interesting one. Because and a, you know a nod a nod to your parish here, Don. But in the Athletic piece last week, it talks about Leeds United's interest in Patrick Vieira and there being tangible links between Vieira and, and that vacancy when Jesse Marsh was sacked. So. The succession planning works both ways because it could have been that Vieira left the club rather than the club leaving Vieira. So you'd have to think in that situation, would Roy have been the first on the list as well? Even a few games further away from the the run we are at the moment. So let's not kid ourselves. The reason they've turned to Roy Hodgson is because they've won one game in 17 matches. Yeah. And and they just need somebody to get them, somebody steadying hand, somebody who they who they know they can trust. Um, somebody just to get them through to the end of the season, and the nearest thing to a firefighter, someone who knows the club, knows how the quirks of how it how it's run, mm-hmm. uh, knows the training ground, knows what what facilities are available to him. Albeit they've they've got a spanking new academy since he was last at the club, opened over the road. Um, it, that's the only reason that they've turned to him. If Patrick had walked out to join Leeds United six games prior to that, and it had been. 16 games still to play or 17 games still to play half virtually half a season i'm sure that uh the difference philosophy would have been completely different yeah, yeah absolutely and and that in in that scenario you may have found if money could have been found you might have found them going in and trying to you know take a a, a manager a project manager away from someone else and not just fishing in the uh in the pool where of of a manager's out of work but that's not where Palace are at at the no. moment. So, no. but I think that shows you as well how quickly philosophies can change in football. You know, and Steve well, not changed, used... I don't think they changed their philosophy. I, I, that's me. I, I've not articulated that. Enough. They haven't changed their philosophy. There's no one sitting at Palace thinking, 
we need to go back to Roy Ball. No. We need to go back, and 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 that's what we play. We need to we need to cons- you know soak up pressure and hit on the counter. The idea remains to evolve. It has to. They've had a taste. It's not as if anyone saw last season and thought, "Oh, that wasn't very nice." <laughs> I mean, it's it's they want to they want to push forward, but but at the moment you can't. <laughs> at the yeah, moment yeah. you won one game in seventeen, it hasn't worked at the moment. Maybe it'll work next season if they're in the Premier League and they've got someone else in charge who who might be able to unlock different or might be able to improve the players a bit more than than Patrick and Oshin and and Christian and Saeed did. I mean, it's it's. Palace are where they are at the moment and they need something different now they don't need evolution they actually need somebody to come in and just keep them up yeah I think I used the wrong word philosophy there priorities you know Steve used the phrase it's a results based business but this point is a cliche but it is true and the the aim now is to stay up so um, I think I I would probably give loser to Steve this week um, for all those reasons, but also just I've never seen him booed on TV before, and that's just a really new position for me to see him in. And uh, and the thing is, he... And it wasn't wasn't just one person, was it? It No, it was the whole of the the concourse. But he knows all this stuff. You know, Steve knows all this stuff. He's aware of it all. He's a smart guy. So let's hope by the end of, you know, uh, the 10 weeks, he's the winner on the podcast because he's certainly given himself a chance to be so, I think, um, with this decision. I don't... I mean, last week when we did the kind of reaction pods and people on social media, and I wasn't the only person that referred to it as this, but it was a brave decision. It was probably a braver decision to sack him than it was to keep... Oh, no, sorry. No, sorry. I felt at the time it was a braver decision to keep him. Yeah. But coming with this decision does come with the fallout that by keeping Patrick Vera, you don't also experience. So you you don't experience the long reads in, in the media. You don't experience probably the increased fan scrutiny of the fan ownership as to what's going on elsewhere in the club. So, you know, when Parrish made that phone call, which again is another element which certain fans have picked up on, it was a phone call to Patrick Vieira and people start to get offended on Patrick Vieira's behalf, that it wasn't in person and all that. It's it's that level of scrutiny that comes with a decision like this um, that Parrish hasn't had probably for, I mean, the De sacking, everybody agreed with it. I mean, probably since he sacked Pardew. I'm guessing, when was that, 2016, 16. December 2016? Yeah. The last time, I think, he act, he had to make an active decision of, do I sack the manager? You know, De Boer was a very obvious one. Yeah. Well, Allardyce left of his own accord. De Boer, very obvious sacking. You yeah, had the stability of... People on the outside didn't think that De Boer was an obvious sacking. People were outraged that it happened so soon. So quickly, yeah. But from the within the fan base... On the inside, think, it was... A, on the yeah. inside, yeah. But... And I think they get quite a kind press because they've actually got quite a few Palace fans in the media. Um, but but when something like this happens and you get, you know, Martin Samuel weighing in with a with a column saying how ridiculous it is and, you know, Vincent Company being asked about it at a press conference and Micah Richards saying this is outrageous, this has happened. These guys aren't speaking with any great... They don't follow Palace every week. They haven't seen that, that Palace have been so aimless for most of this season and have I mean they, they've seen the, the bare numbers that you know one win in 17 matches but they probably thought oh well you know they were they they could have got something against City no we couldn't no. we couldn't we didn't have a shot against Manchester City virtually I mean it was there was nothing that we, we, we didn't have a shot against Aston Villa you can't get anything you can't win games if you don't have shots at goal I mean it's it's but because of these that's you know the media, the national media, the, the guys aren't sort of concentrating on the club every week. 
they they inevitably they they can't be across every single minutiae of, of of all these clubs. So they come in and they write their columns on the the sense of outrage that Patrick Vieira, who is a lovely bloke that we all like, everybody likes, mm-hmm. um, a, a lot of those people, icon, you, a lot of those people you just mentioned have personal relationships with. Have, yeah, quite possibly. Is that my fire alarm? That's bad news. Have I just set the place? <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 that is that is the way it is. And and look, it's they will get stick from from those people for making this decision for for sacking Patrick Vieira. I mean, they will do, and they'll get sick also for how ridiculous is it they've turned to a seventy five year old mm. um, manager that they were supposed to be leaving behind, and all those days were behind them. Well. Fine, let them just ignore it. Just make sure that everybody just backs the team and and let's let's go again in the summer. It's it's you know, and that's coming from somebody that's been working in national media for twenty five years, um, and can 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 recognise the frustrations of it as well when it's when it sort of turns its attention to something that's on your patch. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have to go? Are you going to? No, be... I think. I think everybody seems to be very calm out there. You're so going to end up like fun. that meme with the dog in the flames. This it's all fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's Steve Parrish. I'm about to say that's yeah, it's quite apt, actually, isn't it? Um, right, let's wrap up winners and losers. There, um, we haven't done any winners, but you know, oh, we've not done. Like, oh my god, that's <laughs> not that one of those weeks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't realise actually we hadn't done that because we are. I'm aware that we're ticking over time. Well, not, there's no preview, so we'll um, we'll. Um, I'll, I'll give you a winner. Well, I, there is. Well, I do want to do preview. Well, maybe we don't. Maybe, maybe we save that. Go on. Oh, go you on, want do, to do? Oh, I'll do okay. one winner. I'll do go one winner. She, Sheila, because finally she's got Roy out of the house again. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the trope that wives hate their football managers' husbands. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. You got a winner, Jack? Uh, Paddy McCarthy. Paddy McCarthy. Oh, but quick mention to Paddy McCarthy and then I have another one very quickly. Paddy McCarthy, you know, given the job with 48 hours notice, did all of that he could do. I, you know, it was Arsenal all way. I don't think there was anything that he really could do. He'll learn from that. Um, and I think he's shown enough as as kind of the the continuity candidate um, that he can he can add something and he can bring something for the rest of the season. So I'm pleased for Paddy McCarthy to get that chance. Ultimately, that's why he's worked his way up through the coaching structure to hopefully get his chance in a first team. As Dom says, he's been heavily linked with um, vacancy. I think Oxford. I remember reading about a couple of weeks ago. Um, maybe MK Dons too. So he is he's he's highly rated. Um, but hopefully Palace can kind of harness his burgeoning talent into something that will benefit the first team um but yeah and just to echo your words there Jack, the insight that Selzy gave to um the story of joe whitworth's first team debut was fantastic and it's worth just signing up for the patron for one month just to listen to that 10 minutes i think because yeah. it was really really interesting to hear how that story worked but also to get the background about joe whitworth as a person and, and yeah. his background so winner for him i did say in the post-match pod that in the nicest possible way i don't want to see joe whitworth in goal Again this season, I think the calm and comfort that that Vinny brings um, shouldn't be underestimated. So I hope Vinny's back for the for the Leicester game. Um, but yeah, shout out positive is Joe Whitworth getting his his two first starts in a, in a Palace shirt, and and the future looks bright for for young Joe Whitworth. Yeah, well said. Sounds like a fantastic, fantastic young man. I, I think the winners probably are also shorts manufacturers in South London for the next <laughs> ten weeks. Uh, I sent a Jim Daly comedy uh, song coming along for Ray Lewington. Someone sent a question in saying, is Jim going to bring the songs back on the podcast? I'd just like to confirm here, right now, 
no, it's, they're never coming back. Some things, and this is apt for this podcast, do need to be left in the past. Um, <laughs> nice. There we go. Yes, yeah, so maybe we won't preview Leicester then. It is hard to preview sort of two weeks in advance with a new manager. So I go, maybe we'll come back next week and do some sort of other pod where we do preview the Leicester game and a, a bit closer to the maybe, action. Maybe. Uh, possibly even engage in the 21st century and do another Twitter space. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was good. good. Maybe we'll do that and do then we can space that and then upload that up as a podcast or something. Well, guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me today. We will be back next week. Yeah, we're back next week with some sort of space or pod or something to preview the, uh, the Leicester game, whenever that is. And um, and then post match pods, of course, the patrons will return after that Leicester game. And we've got ten weeks, ten cup finals. Uh, well, actually, we're not very good at cup finals, are we? Um, ten, ten big games um, to go. Let's ten, uh, ten last days of the seasons where we need to stay up. We're, That's we're more okay like it. Then. We're good we're at those. Okay we're good at those. Yeah. Um, anyway. I remember Charlton. Jesus. Okay, no, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking Hillsborough. Hillsborough. Oh, Hillsborough, yeah. That's, that's about it. Anyway, on that note, thanks for joining us, everyone. And uh, oh, big shout out to Eternity Home Finance as well, our sponsors this week. Um, and we'll see you again very soon. Keep the faith, everyone. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.